Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to episode 9 of Seen Anything Good Lately. I hope you've been enjoying the show and getting some great recommendations of what to watch, read and listen to from some of the very best guests in the culture business. And this episode is no different. I think one of the, the amazing things about the Miles Davis story is as we were working on it, we realized that it was really kind of the, the, the story of, you know, African-Americans in the second half of the 20th century. But they absolutely love Chinatown, which I was surprised at. You heard my guests for this show there, the great documentary maker Stanley Nelson talking about Miles Davis, subject of his latest award-winning film, Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. It's a warts and all portrait of the trumpeter. And you also heard Koki Giedroich there, director of the new film adaptation of Catelyn Moran's How to Build a Girl, returning to feature filmmaking after a gap of over 20 years. We'll hear from Stanley Nelson and Koki Giedroich. Yes, she's the sister of Mel Giedroich, off of Mel and Sue. And we'll hear from them after you and I have had a quick catch up and I tell you if I've seen anything good lately. Well, I have seen something good lately. I've caught up with the fabulous film Les Miserables, which is directed by Laj Lee. Uh, It was at Cannes last year, and then it went on to be Oscar-nominated and BAFTA-nominated, and went on to win the César for Best Film, making Laj Lee the first black filmmaker ever to do so. And I've caught up with it again as it's coming out in the UK, and it is a terrific film in the manner of La Haine, in absolutely nothing to do with Les Mis, the musical, except it's set in the same banlieue of Paris as Victor Hugo's novel Montfermé. Uh, and there's just as much trouble there as there was back in the 19th century. Uh, perhaps more, really, uh, as a new cop gets a tour of the neighbourhood and meets the major players in the volatile mix of black Africans, uh, Muslim fanatics, Romany gangs, uh, and even uh, a lion cub. It's a tinderbox waiting to go off, basically, after France has won the World Cup in 2008. 18 and it's a police beating that gets caught on a drone camera that really sets things off a chain of events that are almost inevitable and unstoppable and yet the police try to stop them seriously it's one of the best films you'll see this year it's Les Miserables and it's out in the UK in cinemas on September the 4th it's so good and fresh and exciting and just now I'm not even going to recommend anything else this week because you just have to see Les Miserables and you're done for this week that's all you need to see to have said you've seen anything good lately. S'ils avaient raison d'exprimer leur colère. Seul moyen de se faire entendre aujourd'hui. C'est moi la loi. probably also should catch Miles Davis Birth of the Cool. It's Stanley Nelson's super cool documentary that now comes out on DVD and Blu-ray. It was on at the BBC and it was at the BFI at London Film Festival earlier last year but now it's got extra stuff on such as a Miles Davis concert from Montreux but really it's just worth it to have this superbly put together documentary of archive and new interviews and it's like having an album. It's rich in the history and the story of Miles Davis. It's a 
pretty definitive portrait of a very complex and difficult, not always likeable man, but whose trumpet rings out clear and fresh and alluring as ever. There are some great musical moments in this movie, some wonderful stories, some shocks and some laughs and some beautiful women and gorgeous photography and amazing tunes, some heavy politics and just basically a whole load of style and attitude. And it's director Stanley Nelson, well, he's kind of top dog among black documentary filmmakers. He's a three-time Emmy winner who's told the story of the Black Panthers, of Emmett Till, the boy who was uh, lynched, uh, the Jonestown Massacre, and the Freedom Riders on the Civil Rights Buses. So it was a joy to catch up with Stanley Nelson and to talk about such a giant figure as Miles Davis. Now... (laughs) I'm sorry, we, we did get a bit carried away uh, and Stanley didn't prepare his seen anything good lately recommendations as perhaps he should. But it was my fault. We got carried away with time and then he had to go off and uh, the boiler man was coming to fix his boiler. <laughs> but we did get blown along by the story of Miles and the music of Miles. So forgive us and, you know, just enjoy this chat. Congratulations, Stanley, on, on it coming out on DVD. I guess this is the, the legacy you want for a movie like this. It's got a long tail. You know, it starts in the cinemas and then just kind of grows and grows and people more and more can get added to it. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's something great about DVD, you know, especially for this kind of film that's kind of evergreen. It's historic. It has great pictures. You know, you can put it in your library. You can listen to the music. You know, it's there. It's something that's really solid. Yeah, well, so much of the film is that beautiful edit from someone talking about a track and describing the sound to you then, you know, going into the sound. You know, so it's like an album. It's like sticking on your, your, your Miles Davis greatest hits album, but also getting a running commentary from like Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, one thing that we found when we made the film was that the people, you know, who played with Miles and knew Miles are just great and funny, you know, talking about Miles. And, and there's this real, you know, uh, reverence for Miles and love for Miles um, that comes through in, in the film. So it's great to hear them talking. What was the... Um the general memories of Miles. You have so many different opinions coming through from that, from that of the women to those who played with him to over the years, different bands, different formations. You say that people, you know, have a funny take on Miles, people from Wayne to, to, to Herbie. What do, what do you think the general opinion was? There's this kind of two different uh, camps on Miles. I mean, the people who play with Miles just love him. And, and, and that's their feeling, you know. You know, even Archie Shep, who tells this story in, in, in the film about Miles kind of brushing him off, you know, his next line that we didn't put in the film was, but, but, but I still loved Miles. I still loved him, you know, after, after he, he brushes him off. And, you know, also they know that much of their careers are owed to, to Miles, you know, that, that, that playing with Miles was like, boom, a stamp of approval. And then, you know, they're the, they're the people who were, who were in his personal life who also, you know, loved him, you know, and, but that, that they also realized that there was this other side. I mean, Miles seemed to be one of those guys that people loved in spite of himself sometimes. You, you brought the film out before coronavirus, before lockdown, also before the uh, the George Floyd incidents and the, the sort of rise that we've seen now, global rise of Black Lives Matter. In fact, you were the first person to, that I ever met who was wearing a Black Lives Matter badge. You were wearing a pin when you came into my radio station in, in London. Uh, this was promoting the Black Panthers movie. You had a Black Lives Matter badge, a pin, which I, I still have, actually. Uh, I wanted to talk to you again and catch up with you post-George Floyd and where we are now with how that has almost it changed the perception of the way we watched the Miles documentary again. It's a different movie watching it with the current hindsight. I think one of the, the amazing things about the 
the Miles Davis story is as we were working on it, we realized that it was really kind of the, the, the story of, you know, African-Americans in the second half of the 20th century, you know, and, and encompassed all those things. And so much of Miles is obviously music, but there's so much that's, that's not music. You know, the beating that he takes, you know, as he's in the height of, uh, of his popularity, Kind of Blue has just come out. And, you know, a, a cop who may well have been drunk just kind of tells him he, he has to move along. And Miles is like, move along. I'm standing in front of my cl the club I'm playing in. You know, I'm smoking a cigarette so I can go back into the club and play. And the cop says, I don't care who you are. You're black. You got to move. And and Miles, you know, takes a beating from from this cop. And, and you know, there's this feeling, I think, from probably from Miles, you know, that, that you know, there's, there's nothing you can do to get away from it. You know, he went to Paris, came back, was on drugs, got out of it, you know, released the most popular album ever, couldn't get away from it. And that's that's the feeling, you know. Um, it's funny because I was talking to a for, foreign journalist, you know, uh, a week or so ago, and they were saying, you know, did you ever witness or did, were you ever subjected to these kind of racist events? And I'd say, well, you know, you kind of don't understand what we're talking about here. You know, it's daily. You know, I mean, if it was just somebody, you know, you know, riding by and, and yelling some slur at you, it would be, oh, hey, that's okay. But it's this constant, you know, downward push. There's this, there's this constant you know, idea that our lives, you know, and, and, and we, you know, don't matter. And, you know, Miles was part of that. You did the film, The Black Panthers, before that. It's entwined with Miles. He got political with, uh, you know, with his with his wife, with uh, with Betty and uh, uh, with Angela Davis that he was kind of uh, caught up with. You, you don't shy away from that at all in, in, in your documentary. In fact, those, to me, you know, a lifelong Miles fan, and I knew the music so well, that the other stuff actually becomes more and more fascinating, the stuff how he is politically and I mean that in the personal way the political being personal the way he conducted himself uh, with women and the way that he conducted himself and had this political and almost uh, fashionable awakening throughout his life that the, the growth of the of, of the black man is fascinating throughout this documentary yeah I mean I, th I think what what we have to understand is that you know that 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 even just to be you know the man that miles was to be a black man you know in the 50s 60s 70s demanding the best demanding the highest pay saying, you know, look, I can I can afford any car that I want. I'm going to drive a Maserati, you know, live anywhere I want. I'm going to buy a townhouse, you know, on, on the Upper West Side. You know, all of those things were, were, were statements by Miles. And, and they were statements that that, that we in America and, and people, Black people around the world and all people around the world saw. You know, we saw this guy who just said, you know, I am the best at what I do and I deserve the best of everything. And I'm and, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna get that and to hell with you if you don't like it. The, the film is, is terrific and what it does is it lets experts describe Miles's sound. You know the, the, how sexy it is, how heartbreaking it can be, how fragile it is, and how different it it, it became and mutated in. What do you have a favorite period yourself, Stanley Nelson? Did when you when you I mean, there's a moment in your film that I have to say when you play it never entered my mind. And I I, I love the track. I love the I love the song when it's sung by you know Sarah Vaughan. But I I I'd forgotten how beautiful it is until i see your movie again how it reframed that track for me uh, and made it one of the most beautiful recordings ever made for me thank you so much um you know we spent a lot of time on on, on that little piece and you know um it was something that we really wanted to, to try to illustrate. You know, how do you illustrate music? You know, it's really hard, but, but we wanted to, to illustrate the beauty of Miles' ballads. And uh, It Never Entered My Mind was 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 one of my favorites, and, and I thought that, that it, would, it would be a good one. And so, you know, we did that. I'm, I'm really, really proud of, of, of that of that sequence in the film. You know, um, it just it just it just re really works.
that's the Miles Davis Quintet, and it never entered my mind. Just exquisite. Do you think jazz is in as, you know, as good a spot as it was then? I still see such a revival going on here in the UK. We have new young players who are bringing out albums. They're successful in the charts. They're kind of the albums of the week on our re- really reasonably BBC mainstream uh, stations. I think jazz is, jazz is, I don't think it ever went away. It's, it's certainly back. Yeah, I mean, I think jazz is really strong with certain fans, with people. You know, people listen to jazz, and also musicians all listen to jazz. I mean, that's the thing that 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 happens. Danny, it's great to have you with us. One of the great documentary makers of of our times. Um, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everyone on the show. Of course, I'm asking you if you've seen anything good lately. You know, I like I like old movies, so I I watch a lot of of old movies. We recently got the Criterion Collection, which is like a, just a ton of old movies, and I've just been going through. You know, um, they have stuff curated in so many interesting different ways you know best foreign film winners and you know you know Fellini movies just just everything anything so you've I've, seen that kind of really uh sticks with you the last few the last few that you've watched I've been, I've been watching a lot of film noir and you watch a lot of tv as well you know you're a, a, a netflixer yeah yeah you know I I'm like so, so many so many people I end up you know turning on Netflix or Hulu or whatever and flipping around for an hour and a half and then going to bed <laughs> not choosing a thing <laughs> not, not really watching watching anything it's hard, it's hard to figure out what to watch you know it, it, it's become kind of a, a a game you know that that, that I really enjoy that talk to my friends you know and say so what are you guys watching well this is what you i'm know, doing this show for this is why i get you on the show stanley i want to know what what, what, what I'm, I'm your friend i'm ringing you up and i'm saying stanley what am i what am I, I need to see something apart from obviously yeah, your brilliant documentary i watched ozark which i which i really like and then i got to the last one and a half ozarks and i realized that something bad was going to happen and i haven't you haven't I gone haven't, there <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched the last last hour and a half because i was like oh god here it comes you know so uh i, I gotta get in the mood to, to to watch that just before you go uh the the, the extras on the, the the miles davis cvd uh, has got him at montreux they got the the, the the concert of him uh in montreux were, were you involved uh with, with choosing that and sort of saying yeah let's put that together we got the rights what what made you put that as, the, as an extra because it's quite an extraordinary period of, of having miles you know of all the ones you could choose frankly one of the reasons why was that you know eagle rock uh, and universal one of the companies they own that that footage and so you know we were able to to, to secure that and we thought it, it, it's a great it's a great piece to have you know Wallace Rooney you know who's in the film also passed away from COVID he did uh, yeah but you know I we figured it was it, it's a great concert and, and it's really well shot you know and so you know so many times you know Miles Davis stuff you know the concerts were, 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 were kind of shot you know with somebody in the first row with a but that's a really beautiful it is beautiful and it complements the, the the rest of the narrative of, of your of your film which you know takes us all the way through so you say uh, you say to people start with a kind of blue but you also say start to people right you recommend nefertiti as another album i say to people who don't know miles maybe listen to him doing human nature covering michael well, jackson yeah i mean that's that that's a that's a real way in i mean the the, the thing that i think the, to know is that's very different from so much uh, of the other stuff. I mean, but you know, I mean, I, look, you know, you, you can get into miles so many ways. You can get into miles a- from miles ahead. Uh, you, you know, you can. The birth of the cool is just an incredible album. You know, and one thing that we found when we made the film was there's a whole generation from like 70s or so who got who got into uh, Miles from, you know, uh, the, the electric stuff. And that was their entry point, and they love Miles, and they're, and they're good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty hard and, hard and funky stuff. Is there one other... Mu- I know you when you do a documentary, you dedicate your 
a, a chunk of time to it and a chunk of life to it is there someone else uh you know you've, you've covered so much of the black experience and you put that into your in, in through through musician is there another musician uh that you could uh you could do the same treatment to stanley that's interesting you that's that people are approaching you for to do yeah i mean i, I you know i i love james brown and so you know we're actually working on a, a a show on funk on the idea of funk music i was a huge Jimi hendrix fan and still still am and so you know Jimi hendrix is, is another one wow um, you guys at my door now so we gotta you've got your work cut out so much to see you thank you so much for joining me let's let's speak to you when we're doing some funking with uh funking with stanley nelson <laughs> it's great to see you again thank you so much cheers Davis doing Michael Jackson's Human Nature. The documentary is Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool, and the documentary maker and interviewee there was Stanley Nelson. Now, Eagle Rock Entertainment, who have put that film out on DVD and Blu-ray now, well, they're offering you, the lovely Saggle listener, the chance to win a copy of this great documentary to have and to hold, to listen to, to watch and to cherish. All you have to do is tell me, what was the name of the famous French film for which Miles Davis wrote the score and who directed it? Just email your answer to saggle at jasonsolomons.com and you can be the proud owner of Miles Davis, Birth of the Cool. Now, my next guest is director Koki Giedroich, who began in movies round about when I did, back in 1997, when she made the gritty British film Stella Does Tricks with uh, young Kelly MacDonald. Years later now, she returns to feature films after a long career in television, where she still is, in fact, directing the BBC's uh, heaving bosom romp, Harlots, with uh, Sam Morton on at the moment. The new film is called How to Build a Girl. It's riotous. It's a fun frolic through the music mags and teenage hormones of the 1990s, as Kathleen Moran's alter ego, Dolly Wilde, finds her way in the London media after escaping her Midlands home. As the film hits Amazon Prime, I caught up with Koki to find out how it was to create a whole new film world and build a wall of iconic heroes and of course to ask her if she'd seen anything good lately well, hi koki how are you doing i'm good i'm good thank you how are you i'm excellent i'm really well congratulations on the film on how to build a girl how lovely to have you back as you know in major filmmaking mode koki oh. Thank I, you. I'm, Thank I, I remember Stella Does Tricks, one of the first films I ever reviewed as a film reviewer back in 97. It was one of my first jobs. Oh, gosh. Thank you. You don't look old enough. Ah, well, I was, I was quite young at the time. <laughs> yes. No, neither do you, <laughs> by the way. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a long kind of break, really. I did a lot of television um, and I raised my kids and, you know, my family life was sort of juggling all of that. Um and it felt really that going over to the States or kind of committing to huge movies felt too complicated, really, with life as it was. So now they're cooked and they're leaving, they're at uni and I can do it again. It's amazing. 
how amazing. I speak to you on the day that my child finishes his last day of primary school. So uh, there, there we are, taking taking oh. some time. <laughs> oh, you've got a while. Yeah, is that? I mean, is that is that gap informed by the movie in any way? Because it is a coming of age movie. It's about sort of breaking out. I, I wondered if there was a sort of similarity to you with the material that obviously Caitlin had written in the book and 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 then became the screenplay and that you, you put on screen. Is that that element for you in there too as a as a filmmaker? Yeah, I think there is. I think there is um it's such a kind of life affirming story and it's so much about kind of oh i don't want to bang on about female empowerment and stuff like that at all but well if you don't bang on about it who's going to we we white blokes are not going to do it for you are we true jason but the thing is i hear myself banging on about it but anyway yeah here i go it's about it's about a central strong female character and it was such a relief to read a coming of age film that has johanna at the center of it and so, yeah, coming of age and me coming back to movies just felt like brilliant sort of synergy. And I, I, I love making films, but they take a whole different kind of huge amount of effort that's, that's not quite like television. That's a whole different thing. And I needed to be really committed to something to do it frankly i think that's really interesting what you say because i was going to ask and, and i think that those boundaries have blurred so much particularly in the last three or four months the the boundaries between tv and film you know where a film goes out does it have a premiere is it on amazon is it on a streaming platform is it telly what's the difference would you say between making a movie then and 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 doing the television as you say if there is a difference i'd like to know what it is maybe from your side rather than from the viewer's side even okay well for for me you're absolutely right aesthetically creatively and in terms of you know how television looks and feels there is no difference now between movies and television in my opinion people have huge tellies in their homes have huge sound systems they can completely replicate the cinema experience if it you know albeit a little bit smaller but 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 kind of you know you know what i mean the kind of scope and the scale of it for me making a film compared to television is a different rhythm and also as a director you are actually you're just much higher status in films you you know television you're a gun for hire that's the truth the writer is king in television or queen and in film you have more authorship and people listen and that's quite nice really at the end of my career the end is just starting again (laughs) okay the beginning of the end Uh, yeah it's really nice to for people to listen be respectful you know you just you can own it in in a way that in television you're much more making it for that industry and making it for slots and yeah things. and often you're you're making an episode of something that's already existing so you're sort of fitting into a style uh, and you know how to build a girl has a style all of its own i have to say that was that it mixed the social realism that i suppose remember from Stella Does Tricks which was very gritty and realistic in its way but it has that social realist but it also has a sort of great fantasy elements and great kind of breakout moments uh, of, of, of imagination that but that must have been fun putting all that together oh I loved it I loved it that was all inspired by Catelyn that's in her writing and it's also in her personality she is part woman part muppet woman. <laughs> She's just got this sort of internal musical theatre joy about her. She's got an internal light bulb. And I wanted to kind of harness that because it's her story, you know, and I wanted that to be at the heart of the movie. And so it felt completely natural to me that this character, Johanna, could um, break into dance or could come back home and the posters on her wall talk to her that, you know, she could fall in love with a guy, with a, with a singer and, you know, a, a rock singer played by Alfie Allen and that he could just step out of a poster in a in a bus stop and walk her home. I mean to me it just feels like it's so 
much about who Johanna is and it's kind of these ideas are just sort of swirling around her that is that's her did you have it must be interesting to work with someone like Catelyn and then say to her not that she's backward and coming forward that girl doesn't stop writing doesn't stop you know being funny in print everywhere but you're putting her on screen and saying to her look this is you've got such a light in so don't that there's a temptation with a writer to be a bit more dis to hide that light under a bushel here you have to kind of say to her let's encourage it out let's let's make Beanie be the the the, the objective correlative of you on screen and we're going to make her kind of do all these kind of fantastical things. Was Catelyn, Catelyn a bit sort of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Or was she like, no, you, you take take me and do what you want with me? She's totally kind of up for anything, Catelyn. She was like, bring it on. Her her sort of take on life is, is larger than life. She has irrepressible energy. She's utterly effervescent and joyous and full of mad bonkers plans and ideas. And we, we had to find the right girl. You know, we had to write, find the right actress to kind of be the conduit of that. Bean is so similar. She's just, she just does sing Annie. She sings songs from Annie the Musical. She was in, her last job before How to Build a Girl was Hello Dolly in Broadway. And she high kicks her way through that entire production. She loves a bit of musical theatre. I think so people would perfect... would sort of say, oh God, you've got an American and how are they going to be able to do the Wolverhampton accent? Which she actually does, I have to say. Pretty, pretty yeah, well. Good, yeah, yeah, very impressive, really. Volvo, I know, which is very precise. And anyone in Wolverhampton will be extremely rigorous about that. But she's, you know, she's Californian and she had no nerves about it. She said, whoever you have playing this part is going to have to embrace the accent. Whoever it is, unless you find someone in Wolverhampton, someone's going to be doing the accent. So it might as well be me. Did and you try? Was... Did you try finding someone locally yeah, British? Yeah, we started there. Yeah, we, absolutely. We started in Volvo. And we just widened the net till it got to California and then Bean stepped in. <laughs> wow. That is an extraordinary bit of casting. Uh, and But everyone else is, you know, great in it. I mean, Paddy Considine, always fantastic. Brilliant to see Sarah Soleimani as the mum. I think she's a, a real performance in this one, really difficult performance because everyone is so big. <laughs> and, and here she is kind of getting it down. And she gives a real emotional heft to the film, actually, Sarah. I totally agree. I've, I've loved her always i loved him and her and anyway she she basically brought the stillness to that character you know she just came in and just felt that that was absolutely the way to play that part and it's a very very complicated little part it must be especially when everyone else is is up there and yeah. and, and energetic yeah. i also love the casting of course of the uh, icons on the wall uh, that that's in the book but to actually sort of sit there and kind of go right well who can play frida Kahlo? who can do this you must have had a right fun d- doing that and how did they react when you said well you're going to how you described it to them and said to sharon horgan well you're going to do such and such and then you know how, how did you get them to on board with this well they were mostly mates of ours you know um or mates of mates it was um it was shameless to be honest we just rang them up and said please come and do this and they kind of thought it sounded funny and they love Catelyn so they did what was it a day they just needed to come and do a day and half a day that's it well that's a good gig I honestly think Sharon Horgan funny you say Sharon Horgan I actually think she was totally puzzled the whole way through (laughs) because she was sitting in her bonnet and her corset and she was against a huge green screen and I was saying look there look up react to this laugh there they're all so good they're so good would they um, would they be your heroines as well or would you put some more in there if it was your your personal heroine board i would have i would have had david bowie and i would have had frida carlo speak i think they were the two key ones for me good evening london this is the place you come where you can dance and scream and be with your own kind and where everything is possible how do I get there from here? 
Uh, Koki, have you seen anything good lately? We talked about making TV. We talked about you being part of the, the British TV landscape and the world TV landscape and the British film firmament now. So well, what have you been watching? What else have you been seeing? Um, I've been watching I May Destroy You. Yes. On BBC. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cultural event. Whoa. Whoa. Not easy viewing. No, not, not at all. Complicated and endlessly challenging of my own views, my own feelings about all sorts of things, race, sex, gender, you know, agency. I mean, unbelievably. Constantly surprising too, in yeah. terms of the form that it's going to take. You never know what episode is going to turn up next. You never know what's going to happen next. It kept turning tables on me. I, I found, and I kept feeling different things after each episode. Yeah. And so much anger came up and so much kind of, and so so much, I don't know, it, like some friends came over for lunch on Sunday and so, so much discussion around it. My kids are so, so powerfully invested in it. You know, they, they're, they say to me I, I kind of say to them but is life really about sex and phones and that stuff and they go yeah mum get with it that's what it is it's quite a difficult landscape to navigate it seems sex yeah. phones social media the yeah. empowerment yeah. not sexual consent I mean all yeah. I, I didn't realize it was so complicated and and, oh, and of course it is and perhaps I should have realized before it's so complicated isn't it and um I've always always tried my partner and I always talk about this you know we don't want to be those old farts that kind of hark back and say how great it was and oh don't understand this society so watching her show was for me you know a really important thing to sort of sit and to embrace it and to listen to her voice this amazingly original brilliant voice that's just powered her way out there you know and there we go in in a way the exception that proves the rule of what you were saying about telly because there is authored telly there is experimental telly there is Michaela Cole's voice there in the writing direction and in the performance Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, she but she's kind of she's reinventing it, though, isn't she? She's she's like she's taken, you know, somehow it's it's flea bag, but it's kind of like, whoa, it's swerved off into a whole new landscape. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about films? You've been watching any films? Well, in our house in lockdown, we have been having film club. And so my kids um, who are kind of in their 20s and late teens um, basically get to see films that that they choose but they they haven't seen before but we have so we have watched everything from the graduate to love story to the deer hunter to do the right thing stepford wives i mean honestly the list we've watched dozens how exciting what a lovely film club and has it been because well were there died on died in the wall classics that you thought right well they're gonna love this one because it's what you loved and then they go mum what was that? that was a load of old rubbish oh yeah there's a bit of that yeah there's a bit of oh my God, this is so slow. I, I sort of would start watching it with them and I'd feel really embarrassed because it's kind of an old movie that's really slow. Those pacings are different, aren't they? We're not. Yeah. You, their rhythms are different in storytelling and narrative and what they expect, I think. The totally, did. but they absolutely love Chinatown, which I was surprised at. And their favourite, all-time favourite of lockdown was The Graduate. Amazing, because it's still... Do the right thing. Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing blew them away as well. Well, Do the Right Thing during lockdown, of course, because so relevant, still sadly awfully relevant, became hugely relevant. But also those are both films that have got visual palettes that are, you know, chopped up and kind of on, still look edgy today. Yes. Oh, they're so ahead of their time. Oh, my goodness. Spike Lee. I actually interviewed him for for a documentary back in the day in 91, just after that movie came out. And the courage the courage to get up and tell those stories 
and do it in such a kind of entertaining, fun, cool way. I thoroughly recommend to you the um, the update he's done on She's Got to Have It, not his original movie, but the, the Netflix series that he did about Nola Darling now living in Brooklyn now. Uh, that is, I just thought that was wonderful. What's it called? It's called She's Got to Have It, which was oh, his so first film, but that was set yeah. black and white sort of NYU graduation movie type thing. Yeah. But yeah. he's done this amazing update, this series on Netflix called She's Got to Have It. And it's just oh. where women are at, where sex is at, where black culture is at in Fort Greene in, in Brooklyn. Just great. Oh. It's great. And oh, the music's great. Yeah. Well, lovely to catch up with you after all these years. <laughs> yes, and you, and you, and... Um... And thank yeah, you. You're looking great. Oh, thank you very much. I know we can still do it, you know, us old ones. And thank I you so know. much. Thank you so much for Film Club. I wish I could have been there. Oh, well, there are many more titles if you want some suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, best of luck on an Amazon with uh, How to Build a Girl. I really enjoyed it. They're great performances. And it looked fantastic, I have to say. Thank you. Cheers, Koki. You can find How to Build a Girl on Amazon Prime. Great. Well, that brings us to the end of this show. I'm off to the Venice Film Festival. Yes, an actual live, in-the-flesh film festival with real people and real screenings. So I'll be reporting on the anomaly of that, the weirdness of that, the newness of that for you next week. Uh, I'll have some very special film festival guests too, I hope, and plenty stored up to tell you that, yes, I have actually seen a whole heap of good lately. Until then, ciao. Uh, but do let me know what you've been up to by emailing saggle at jasonsolomons.com, just like my friend Josh, who's sent me a photo of the book he's been reading on the beach. It's called Fear and Loathing in La Liga, Barcelona versus Real Madrid by Sid Lowe, uh, which he says is an absolute cracker of a football book with Messi and Ronaldo on the cover there, written by, of course, the uh, Guardian journalist Sid Lowe. Thank you, Josh, for that one. A perfect saggle right there. Top bins. Bye.